The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Arizona, Brittany Fontano. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, A number of different states here is important post-Dobbs. What is happening in Arizona post-Dobbs? That is a really great question. So um, over the last six months in Arizona, we have really been living in a state of desperation and fear um, and chaos and confusion. But one thing that really remained constant is that Planned Parenthood Arizona never let up on our fight for patients and communities. So I'll take you back to June 24th when Roe fell. And most providers in the state actually paused abortion services because of our really complex and confusing legal landscape. We have multiple conflicting laws that were at play. We had a pre-row near total ban on abortion from 1864, a personhood statute, and then a newer 15-week ban. And at this point, our shameless anti-abortion politicians really focused on sowing chaos and confusion rather than providing clarity. And some said that the total ban was in effect. Others said the 15-week ban was in effect. The result was an environment of just fear and confusion. No one knew what was legal. Our elected leaders made it worse and not better. So that is sort of the setup of the environment that we were navigating. Um, Happy to answer any questions and then tell you how we fought back and won for now. So what does that mean in reality in terms of you have you, you described three laws, 1864, personhood and a 15 week ban. So what does that mean for for doctors? What is it? What are they going through and patients when they're deciding whether or not what they're doing is legal or illegal? I mean, if there's three different things that they would have to consider, is it just chaos? Exactly. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. It is chaos. And that's precisely the reason why so many abortion providers uh, decided to pause services because the ultimate penalty for violating these laws is prison time, mandatory two to five years in prison. And of course, our doctors, providers, nurses, medical assistants, they didn't enter into the field of medicine to go to prison, they entered into the field of medicine to help patients. And so the result has just been incredibly devastating. We have doctors um, who have left the state, uh, understandably, that they want to be able to go to an area like California or New York, where they're able to practice medicine without the fear of going to prison. And then for patients, it has really just been, it's had life altering consequences. Um, We have patients who don't know what their rights are. They don't know if they can receive their essential abortion care. 
I can't tell you how incredibly devastating it has been to to be able to provide the care that patients need and have to turn them away, deny them their care. And I know that this will have just life altering consequences for generations to come. I mean, it just feels like each state post Dobbs has to go through its own chaos, right? Um, because essentially that's what the Supreme Court um, brought brought out um, with their decision and leaving it to the states. And so we're we're learning so much about the realities on the ground. When when you're a pregnant person in Arizona, what is it like for you? I mean, we've talked about the laws and doctors being in the chaos. But what is mm-hmm. it like for the patients? Um, do do people simply not even seek out care because they feel like, okay, so the Supreme Court made a decision and now abortion is illegal? I mean, what is the what are some of the messages the patient side um, mm-hmm. are hearing? Because it is it, when you when you talk about it being confusing, I think that's by design. Oh, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, this was strategic and intentional on the part of anti-abortion politicians and advocates. They don't want people to know what their rights are. They don't want people to be able to make their own decisions about their bodies. And so when we think about what the past several months has looked like for patients, it's just some of the most heartbreaking stories that I have heard and witnessed. Um, since they've lost their constitutionally protected right to abortion at PPAZ, we've had to manage complications for patients that really could have been very straightforward in care. So I know that our providers had have treated patients not only from Arizona, but from Texas and other states that have driven hours across state lines with their small children in the backseat to access an abortion. Um, Our staff has also helped victims of sexual assault and incest who are further along in their pregnancies um, than that 15-week cutoff that we have in Arizona. So uh, through our patient navigation program, our staff has had to help people who are already facing tremendous trauma flee their communities to get the really critical health care that they need. We actually saw um, a patient recently who was suicidal at the prospect of having to continue her pregnancy because she was a survivor. And then I think one of the the stories that has really has stayed with me really um, ever since I heard it is that um, we had a patient come into one of our health centers and she stayed for hours after her procedure. She didn't want to leave because she was staying at a domestic violence shelter where a condition of her stay was that she was pregnant. So this is someone who has already had to leave behind um, an incredibly traumatic situation. And it takes such courage to be able to leave that. And she was terrified that the shelter would discover that she was no longer pregnant and expel her from the only safe safe place that she's had to stay. And so these are just really a peek into some of the stories that we're seeing every day. And it's what gives us really the the fuel to to continue the fight. And that's why PPAZ has really um, been fighting at all levels when it came to the midterm elections, but also when it came to our legal challenge of the near total ban on abortion, we're fighting for our patients and communities. It's horrifying to hear about a survivor 
being forced to give birth to their rapist child. That is what's happening, though, post-ops. And I, I feel like we don't talk about that reality enough. It is one that I talk about often because, for me, I became much more militantly pro-choice after I survived sexual assault because mm-hmm. of this exact reason. Because I understood fundamentally um, that had I become pregnant, which is, you know, the plan B is part of a rape kit for a reason, because people do become pregnant after sexual assault. And that by law, what the Supreme Court said is they think it is okay for that person to be forced to carry the baby and have it. Um, and, And that is, I think, one of the most inhumane things I have ever heard. Um... And it is why I became more militantly pro-choice. But I also want people to just marinate on that point for a minute. I know it's an uncomfortable one, but that is the reality that the Supreme Court has wrought. And that is what um, the anti-choice folks, this is the reality that they fought for. Now, talk a bit about where this stands in the court. Now, we talked yesterday about Wisconsin um, and the case in Wisconsin because they have a law from 1849. I'm like, I'm tired of citing these laws from like, the antebellum era. This is exactly. I, I'm, what Wait. the hell is going on. Um, but talk a bit about the, the court process um, and where it stands. You said you the last the last iteration is you you have been successful. But what happens next? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you, Zerlina, for sharing your story. I just I had a similar experience in that I really became also, I would say, very militantly mm-hmm. pro-choice after becoming a survivor of sexual assault, because this is no one deserves to have their bodily autonomy stripped away. So I've really dedicated the rest of my life to fighting to make sure that everyone has bodily autonomy. And so that's really one of the things that we're doing at Planned Parenthood. Arizona with our lawsuit. So um, as I mentioned before, we have so many different conflicting laws on the books. And our position was that politicians, including our former attorney general, couldn't just cherry pick this one near total ban on abortion from the civil rights era. Let's just think about that for a minute. Politicians were trying to take us back to a point where many people, myself included as a queer woman of color, we're not even treated as human beings um, with this law. And so we fought back in court, unfortunately, with our first uh, court case um, at the Pima County Superior Court, uh, the judge did agree to lift the injunction. And so with that action, she unleashed a near total ban on abortion, one of the most horrifying and strict laws in the entire country. Um, we didn't stop fighting. We went back to court on appeal and we ended last year with some, I think, bittersweet news is is the way that I would say. So um, the judge, the judges uh, rightfully accepted what our position was, which is that all of these various laws in Arizona have to be harmonized. We can't just say this one law from 150 years ago is the law that governs our lives today. And so we need to be able to look at the various laws on the books, harmonize them. And when you do that, you see that abortion is legal through 15 weeks of pregnancy when provided by a licensed physician. We're so grateful and thankful that we won our appeal because there is some access to abortion right now in Arizona. But I think that it's incredibly important that people aren't 
fooled by this. People need abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And I think that, you know, a 15 week ban or any ban really is not something that is something that we would always fight against because these decisions, these really personal decisions should remain between a doctor and a patient. So when I say that we have more work to do, that's what I'm talking about, working toward true reproductive freedom. I've been ranting about this nonstop. I mean, the idea that we we get held up, we get we get distracted by conversations and debates about the number of weeks the ban is. Um, my position, and again, it's as a survivor, I believe in body, bodily autonomy. I believe that everybody has the right to bodily autonomy because they are human. And so mm-hmm. from my vantage point, like it doesn't matter the amount of weeks. <laughs> um, don't ban the thing that um, I should be able to do um, with my body because it's simply a form of health care. I mean, talk a bit about how focusing on the amount of weeks is, is really a big distraction from the fundamental issue um, that we should be focused on, which is the human right to bodily autonomy. Yes. I mean, again, I think that this is there's so many strategies that anti-abortion politicians and advocates use that are really insidious. And I think these little distractions, like what is the cutoff point? What is an, an acceptable, quote unquote, abortion? And what wh- what is an abortion that we should pass judgment on? And so what we really need to do is strip away other people's perspectives and really and really take away the power and control that these politicians are trying to exert on our bodies. Because I think that that's what the real issue is here. Yes, it's about the abortions, but it's about so much more than abortion. This is about power mm-hmm. and control. This is about anti-abortion politicians furthering their political agenda and exerting control over our bodies, our lives, and our futures. What we know to be true is that Uh, The majority of abortions occur during the first trimester, but the people who uh, receive abortions after that first trimester mark, their decisions are just as valid. We should respect them and they should have access to the health care that they need. Right. One of the things I I think a lot about um, is is how we can explain things perhaps um, in a more comprehensive way. And yesterday we were talking to a doctor in OBGYN from Wisconsin about how abortion is healthcare. That is a, is a thing that activists say, anti-choice, uh, pro-choice, excuse me, um, people say. Um, but how do you see it? I mean, I think the more chances we take to just lay that case all out, the better, because then it becomes clear as day for people and it's no longer... Um, you know, a debate about the number of weeks, for example, or about abortion bans. It's simply about healthcare access. I mean, here preaching to the choir. Here, it is, <laughs> it is really, it is really just you know a basic component of reproductive healthcare. And I wish that more people would take abortion out of the political limelight and the the crosshairs of anti-abortion, pro-choice, and really think about this 
from the lens of a patient, right? These are people who come to us and we have the honor of being able to help them through what is sometimes a difficult um, decision. And sometimes it's not a difficult decision, but the one commonality they all have is that they're seeking healthcare. We have the most incredible um, physicians, nurses, and healthcare assistants on staff that really are able to provide this high quality healthcare in, a, in, a, in an area and, a, and in a way that is non-judgmental, it's expert and designed to really empower patients to make their own decisions. In Arizona, I think because traditionally Arizona was a red state, um, people might be mistaken um, if they if they assumed that the fight over abortion rights in Arizona is one that the anti-choice folks have the upper hand because the midterm elections actually demonstrated that um, Arizona is blue, <laughs> but also <laughs> that um, pro-choice, you know, when we talk about the majority of Americans and the majority um, supporting choice, you know, it shows up, it showed up in Kansas, but also in Arizona. Talk a bit about um, just the the energy on the ground in Arizona around the issue of abortion, given the fact that you've laid out, um, you know, the chaos on the ground and also the court process. So people are engaging on this issue on the ground in Arizona. But I mean, is it does it feel like there is a groundswell of pro-choice support coming to the surface in a I guess you can technically call it a purple state? Now. Yeah, I would <laughs> say that Arizona is on the path to blue, um, but yeah. I, I, I think that we are solidly a purple state now. We've seen that 2020 wasn't a fluke because right. 2022 just blew 2020 out of the water. And I think that it has been so incredible to see people get invigorated and to see young people, people of color, people from all of these different backgrounds come together and really solidify their support for um, pro-reproductive freedom candidates, uh, which really was a defining issue in the 2020 midterm elections. And so um, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Arizona, which is our advocacy and political arm, um, in we endorse political candidates up and down the ballot um, and 78% of our endorsed candidates who are champions for reproductive rights won their elections. We supported um, Katie Hobbs, who is now our wonderful governor of Arizona, Chris Mays, who's our attorney general and has vowed that she will never enforce an abortion ban. We have people in office right now who are going to fight for what people want. And what people want in Arizona is reproductive freedom. Nearly 90% of voters in Arizona support abortion rights and access. We also know that um, about a third of voters cited abortion rights as their primary driving factor to vote in the midterm elections in Arizona last year. And so we know that the pundits who long said that abortion is not a winning issue, it's not something that people get out and vote for. Well, I'd like to introduce them to the voters of Arizona and Kansas and so many other states across the country where we proved that that was false and that abortion is an issue that people want to see on the ballot. How can people help who are listening, even if they live in Arizona, how can they, they help 
Um, and how can they help even if they don't live in Arizona? Oh, that's a really great question. So, uh, you know, there are always the easy ways that people can help, which is, um, donate to Planned Parenthood Arizona, uh, ppaz.org. Also come to us for care. If you're in Arizona, we provide high quality and affordable sexual and reproductive health care at our seven health centers throughout the state and through telehealth. And so one of the best ways people can support us is by coming to us for care. When we look to this legislative session for people who really want to get involved and fight back, um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Uh, People can follow us on social media. There is the ability to participate in our upcoming lobby day. There's the opportunity to share your testimony and really talk to your legislators about the impact that living under a 15-week abortion ban is having on your life. I think that although that we've had this great victory at the end of last year that affirms that abortion is legal through 15 weeks of pregnancy, we have a divided government right now in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Republicans still control the state house and they're already putting forth anti-choice measures. And so galvanizing people in Arizona to be able to fight back and provide that voice and face against these measures is incredibly important. The final thing I'll lift up is that there's always opportunities to get involved with volunteering at Planned Parenthood Arizona. We have an incredible clinic escort program and we are constantly engaged in the community. And so uh, the best way for people to get involved in those uh, those ways is to follow us on social media and check out our website. Thank you so much um, for taking the time today to talk to us. I feel like Perhaps we're going to have to go through all 50 states. We've been, this week we've been through this continent in Arizona, but I think you know talking to folks who are on the ground in in states is is what we're going to have to do because each state is different, and that is technically what the Supreme Court wanted. They wanted it to be thrown into chaos, and we have to we have to talk through the chaos so that we can come out on the other side. Um, Brittany Fontano, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Arizona, thank you so much for being here this morning and for helping us understand what's going on there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.